good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us this morning. Good week to be here. We're starting a new series. We take a topic, talk about it for multiple weeks, and we're starting a series on relationships called Known. Today's specific topic is authentic being yourself. I came across a study, a long-term study. It was actually 84 years. Whoever started this study probably didn't finish this study. Anyway, they were fi trying to find out what made people happier. Right. Studied it for 84 years. All right. Was it you know, success at work? Was it uh, making more money? Was it getting more stuff, going on more trips? Uh, what was it? Bottom line of the 84-year study was it was relationships. Good relationships make us happy. Not so good relationships diminish our happiness. And probably all of us know that, right? It's not rocket science. Um, you can have all the money in the world. If you've got bad relationships, you're not going to be very happy. Now, Jesus implied this, when we call the great commandment. They asked Jesus one day, uh, what's the most important commandment? There's 600 and some. Even if you boil it down to the Ten Commandments, which one's the most important? He said, I, I can give you two. Love God and love one another. Relationships, right? Relationship with God, relationship with one another. That's the bottom line of life, so it makes sense. Now, the problem is relationships don't come easy, do they? Uh, it takes time and energy. It takes work. And sometimes we're lazy. And it shows up in our relationships. <clears throat> so here's a question for you. Where do your relationship problems start? I have a relationship with my wife. I have a relationship with her mother. I have a relationship with my four kids. I have a relationship with grandkids. I've got a relationship with a lot of you folks. Where do all those relationships, what do, I, what, what do I have in common with all those relationships? Me, right? We always think, I know I've, I've been married a long time, if my wife would just change, right? You can do it with your kids. I wish if my kids would just grow up or act more mature. And what are especially teenagers, young adults saying about their parents. Wish you'd stop embarrassing me, right? That's, that's what they say. Um, but the common denominator in all relationships I have is me. So who do I need to work on in my relationships? In fact, the only person I can really work on is me. The person that needs just to change is me. So let's look at some scripture, God's Word. In Romans, Paul's describing some different dynamics that are important. And here in chapter 12, verse 9, he says, don't just pretend to love others. Don't fake it. Don't be hypocritical, all right? Really love them. Another translation uses some interesting words. Love others well. I think that's a nice way to put it, isn't it? Love others well. If you're going to love somebody, love them well, and don't hide behind a mask. And here's our word, love authentically. Love authentically. I like to think about it this way. What you see is what you get. That's being authentic. So what causes us to wear a mask? Now I got some pushback between services. They said, well, it was mandated a couple of years ago. We're not talking about that kind of mask, all right? But I got to thinking about it. It was hard, harder to to know people with those masks on, wasn't it? Um, 
for me, I have trouble hearing sometimes. It was really, you know, I like to watch people's mouths so I can help understand what they're saying. So what causes us to wear a mask? Figuratively speaking, obviously. Um, we don't want people to know the real us, do we? Well, some of the real us. The ugly us, the wart us, the shortcomings in us. We don't want people to see that. Now, we all deal with this, right? Because we all have flaws, we all have shortcomings. And we're going to talk about the issue is in our relationships with our shortcomings. Bottom line, what causes us to wear a mask is a simple little word called fear. Fear. Fear of that person really knowing because if they really know me, will they still like me, right? So where did this relationship issue begin? Well, it began way back there in the beginning. And um, first couple, they sinned, and so they tried to hide from God. Just a word of advice, you can't hide from God, okay? <laughs> you can try, but you can't do it. So they tried to hide from God, so God came looking for them, um, literally. And so Adam responds, and here's what he says. Uh, this is Genesis 3. I heard the sound of you walking in the garden. And I was, there's a word, afraid. Fear. I, full with fear. Why? Because I was naked. Now, we think about physically naked, but they were emotionally naked, right? And they have a sinful flaw now. So consequently, as a res response to that, I'm going to hide myself. I don't want you to see the real me. So what are the things, what kind of things we hide? We hide our failures, right? We all have failures. Sometimes we hide our feelings, especially if they're negative. Sometimes we hide our positive feelings, which is crazy, but we do that, don't we? And hide our mistakes, flaws, etc. The problem is, when we hide it destroys relationships. It does. It destroys relationships. So we're going to talk about three specific fears this morning. I'm going to call them enemies of great relationships. First one says fear of exposure. Fear of exposure. If somebody, again, if somebody really knows me, are they going to still like me? Are they going to still be with me or want to be with me? Now, who really knows you anyway? Can anybody really know you? We all, I don't share everything with my wife, even though I, we don't try and hide things from each other. So anybody really know you? Scripture says no. No one can really know you. Uh, this is in uh, 1 Corinthians. No one can ever really know what anyone else is thinking or what they're really like, except the person themselves. And I thought, well, sometimes we don't even know ourselves, don't we? Do you ever do something? Sarah? I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that, but we sometimes don't even know ourselves well. But God does know you. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. God knows you inside and out. The amazing thing is, <laughs> He still loves you, right? Now, do we have any trouble exposing our good qualities? I got to thinking about um, if you're writing a resume, or I don't know what these dating apps are like. I haven't dated in a long time. Uh, so I don't know what you put on there, but I don't think you put on there, well, I've got a bad temper, or, you know, um, 
Loved it when uh, the old joke is, um, oh, I'm going to set you up with this girl. And he says, well, what's she, what's she look like? She's got a great personality. You don't answer the question, right? Um, we h- want to hide our shortcomings. Um, so on a resume, we don't say, oh, I got fired from my last three jobs. You just don't say that, right? You don't put the negative stuff on there. So why do we hide? Well, it's easier than dealing with the junk, right? Dealing with our issues, dealing with our shortcomings. So surface level it is. It's easier to avoid. But in reality, how do you really expose true value? How, when I, how, how can I come to know the value that is you if you hide? If you don't get, let me get close. I got to thinking about uh, the diamond industry. My wife has this big diamond. Well, it's a big diamond, but it's not a real diamond, right? Um, so, on the surface, you can say it looks like real. Is that real? No, no. But, uh, uh, you know, there's diamond people, and they get those little uh, light, lights and magnifying glasses so they can see the true value or quality of or any gem, right? So it's true about us. To see a real value in another person, you've got to get to know them. Men get accused of being afraid of commitment, right? It's really not commitment we're afraid of. We're afraid of being exposed, right? Our shortcomings being exposed. Came across this statement, thought I said it well. You can impress from a distance, but only influence up close. You've got to let somebody see your weaknesses if you're really going to influence that other person. Because why we just share our strengths? Well, I'm saying, hey, I, nobody's perfect, so I know that person's, you know, they've got issues, but they're not letting me know what they are. So you and I get to choose how much of ourselves we're going to let somebody else see, right? And it's based on fear of exposure. So I'm going to kind of a solution to each of these fears as we go along here. So I'm calling this first one. Fear of exposure, the key to authenticity would be to live in God's light. Live in God's light. Um, John wrote this. He said, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, this is in 1 John. If we're living in that light, in God's light, then we have fellowship with each other. What does that word mean? That means a connectedness with each other. We're connected uh, heart to heart. Soul to soul. We've got this connection. We're getting to know each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin because sin is obviously what disconnects us. So God takes care of that issue with Him. And as we do business with God, it also uh, with our with, uh, earthly relationships. Now, it's interesting the message we get that true intimacy doesn't come in the light, it comes in the what? It comes in the dark. Nobody wants to see. But no, no, no. True intimacy comes in the light when you let other people know you and you get to know other people. I thought it was interesting, Hollywood actors, when this high-def stuff came out, they weren't too happy about it. You know why? Because you got to see their flaws. They weren't as pretty or, or as handsome as we might have thought they were before high death came along. Paul's writing, he says this, uh, using our, our mask analogy, he says, we refuse to wear a mask. 
We refuse. We refuse to play games in our relationship. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see. So we have an option, wear the mask or not. We have an option to let people in or not. Now, the bottom line is this, folks. Uh, eventually, you're going to find out, right? Eventually, if you spend a long enough time with a person, you're going to find out their flaws, their shortcomings. So, again, you have to do it in safe environments. You don't just meet somebody and, and pour out your soul to them, but in a safe environment. So we have a fear of exposure. A little deeper than that, why would we have a fear of exposure is because we fear that if they knew us, what would they do? They would reject us, right? If they really knew me, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't be with me or they wouldn't desire to be with me. They would reject me. Um, Proverbs, fearing people is a dangerous trap. Are you a people pleaser? You're always seeking the approval of others. You're not contented if you do. Well, that's a trap. For one thing, you can't ever please everybody. Jesus couldn't. So you and I certainly aren't going to. I got to thinking back in school, why was it hard to raise your hand when the teacher asked a question? Now, there's a few people that just raise their hand all the time, but most of us, it's hard. Why? I usually knew the answer but I would be embarrassed in front of my classmates if I looked dumb, right? So rather than look dumb, I just won't raise my hand. Fearing people. And I put this on your outline. We cheat. I put this on your outline. We cheat the world of the true us when we hide. When we hide ourselves, the world is cheated. It's treated... A, Cheated of your personality, your talents, your gifts, uh, your value. You're a great value. God created you unique. And you're cheating the world by hiding it. Another reason we fear this is because we all have this innate desire to be loved, right? It goes all the way back to birth, that newborn. It's a desire to be loved. Now, the reality is then, to be truly loved, you have to be truly known. You got some new people here. We might have somebody new watching. You can't really love me because you don't know me, right? I can't really love you other than God says I love everybody. I can't really love you because I don't know you, right? I have to get to know you. I can't love what I don't know. It's interesting. God is the most lovable creature in the universe. Lots of people don't love him, though. Why is that? They don't really know him, do they? Came across this, I thought about this sports illustration. Uh, sometimes when a team eventually loses, the, the, the commentators said they were playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And ultimately, they do lose. And sometimes we do that in our relationships, right? We play, play not to lose, so we hide ourselves, and eventually we do lose. Now, God loves us unconditionally, but none of us are perfect. 
So we can't love unconditionally and be loved unconditionally. So that's where the hang-up comes, right? Eventually there's going to be a line where I'm going to push that person away or they're going to leave. I think I shared this first service. We've been married a long time, my wife and I. And the first, uh, I don't know, 30 years or so, this question would come up. If, God forbid, that I was to be unfaithful to you, would you stay with me? And for the first 30, 35 years, she said, no, I'd, I'd leave you. But now we've been married over 40 years, and she answers that question, no, I probably wouldn't. Why would that be? Because the line of unconditional love has moved, right? As our love has deepened. And, of course, that motivation for me not to be faithful is even stronger, right? But love is conditional in this world. So, we are going to be rejected. So, how do you deal with that? Jesus was rejected a lot, unfortunately. So, put on your outline, a key here would be to trusting God's love because God will never reject us, will He? Again, He loves us unconditionally. Uh, Daniel. Daniel's writing, it's an Old Testament book, and he's a prophet. He's writing this prophecy. In the middle of this prophecy, he says this fascinating thing, because we don't know what the future is going to hold, right? And it was some of this stuff he was prophesying was pretty uh, negative. So consequently, it's easy to be afraid. So here's what he says. He stops it. Don't be afraid. Why? Because you are deeply loved by God, the creator and sustainer of the universe the all-powerful one. So, if I'm loved by the most powerful entity in the universe, what do I need to be afraid of, right? So he said, be at peace. Don't have to worry. Be at peace. Take heart and be strong. One translation says deeply loved. It says deeply valued. You're the most valuable commodity in the universe because God paid the most valuable commodity for you his son, Jesus Christ. He died for you. That's how much value you and I have. There's lots of verses I could put in here. I, I put another one in here out of, uh, uh, what is it, Psalms. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? He's got it, right? I trust in God, why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? If God is for us, and he is, he sent his son to die for us, then who can be against us? Or does it matter who's against us? So, fear of exposure, why? Because I'm afraid I'll get rejected. People really know me. Which brings about the third level of this fear, and that's fear of being hurt again. Why do I say again? Because we've all been hurt, haven't we? Some of us have been hurt a lot. In fact, the older you get, the more hurt you've accumulated. That's just part of life. That's part of being human, isn't it? So the key is, what do you do with the hurt? Because we all get it. We all have it. And it's easy to fall into this sad progression of, uh, I got hurt. I'm going to draw back a little bit more next time. I, I, I try a little bit, and I get hurt again, even more. And eventually we get to a place where you say, nobody, I'm, going to let, nope, I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. Sad progression. So we try and avoid being vulnerable. Thought about small groups, talking about small groups. 
love small groups. I'm in several. My wife's in several. And I wonder why people aren't in small groups. And most people say they don't have time, whatever it is. But what happens in a small group is eventually you get to know each other. A lot better than I know most of you here that aren't in my small group. And I get to know a little bit about your vulnerability, and you get to know a little bit about my vulnerability. Of course, small groups need to be safe places that you're willing to do that. The cool thing is that I get to love these people in a level deeper than I love some of you folks because I know them better. And I know, especially, I know their heartaches and their shortcomings, and, and they know mine. But what do you do with that hurt? Because uh, on your outline, love always involves a risk, doesn't it? Is that person going to love me back? Or are they going to continue to love me back? Maybe they love me for a while and then, then it seems to end. So we all have, I'm going to call them scars, right? Scars from being hurt. <laughs> I don't know why this conversation came with my wife a week or so ago. Um, Maybe it was in preparing this message. Maybe it was this week. My wife has never been rejected by anybody. She had one real boyfriend before me, serious boyfriend before me, and she rejected him. All right? She said, oh, this isn't working. So she's caused some pain from rejection, but she never experienced it. Of course, I married her when she was 18, so she didn't have a long dating experience. But I, I, I had a... Let me ask you a question. How many of you didn't marry your first love or didn't marry your first serious boyfriend or girlfriend? Didn't. Marry the first one. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. You all got scars then, right? You all got scars. I have one. My wife, fortunately, not have, she has other scars, but not scars from that. Love involves risk. You put yourself out there, and the person may reject you. So, what do you do with the hurt? What happens if you hold on to it? What happens if you hold on to your hurt? Well, Scripture tells us, my heart grew embittered, become bitter, and my affections dried up. My love dried up. You built what? You're building walls. So how? You get past that. How do you learn to love or love again? Let's say it that way. I'd say the key to that would be, this is fantastic. What God does for us is he gives us a new heart. God's in the heart transplant business, which is pretty cool. So God doesn't just kind of put, you know, band-aids on our faults. What's he do? He said, okay, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new life. Jesus tells a story. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because they'll bust. They, they won't expand. And so God gives us a new heart. There's a passage in Ezekiel. It's rather long. I'll just give you a shortened version here. He says, I will give you a new heart. How amazing is that? I'll give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit in you. So instead of a spirit of bitterness, there'll be a spirit of love. God's going to put that in us. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart. You got a stony, stubborn heart? Sometimes we do, don't we? He says, 
I'll give you a tender, responsive heart. Those of you who are married, that's what your spouse, you want your spouse to have, right? A tender, responsive heart. Those of you who are single, when you find that right girl, that's what you want her to have. These guys, a couple guys here are single. Why would you patch up the old if you can get something new? You got to think about with with our progression and in, in, in our growth as human beings. When a child is a toddler, how do they approach you? Especially if you're a parent or a loved one. This way, don't they? They come running to you. Arms open wide. Those of you who have teenagers, how do they approach you? So what happened between toddler and teenager? Or maybe young adult even. Right? Scars. Hurt, rejection. So we start building walls. So the solution, not so simple, is to do what? Open, reopen your arms. Last passage I'm going to read for you this morning is out of Titus. Paul's writing to Titus, and here's some wisdom he's giving, sharing with him. He says this. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. So those of you who are Jesus followers, once upon a time, before you are Jesus follower, we all were foolish and disobedient, right? We were misled or we were tricked. Satan is the deceiver. Became slave to many lusts and pleasures. We think this will be what will make us happier and more fulfilled, but it was a trick. We were misled. Lives are full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Ah, not a very pretty picture. But the wonderful thing about Scripture, it never ends with the negative side, does it? So what's Paul going to say? But, okay, that's an option. But, when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of any good thing we could do, righteous thing we've done. But because of His mercy, and we say grace, right? He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life. New start through the Holy Spirit. So, at the point of salvation, this happens, but it doesn't just happen then. And we get a bittered heart along the way. God says, I, I can remove that bitter heart. I can give you a new heart. I can give you a new attitude. I can give you a new feeling. That's what God wants to do. That's what God can do. So what's the only hindrance? Me. Me. So, next step. Try to make this as practical as possible. We describe three fears. Fear of exposure, fear of rejection, fear of hurt. Pick one of your relationships, maybe one you're struggling with. At what level of fear are you? What's the level? Are you willing? Again, once you figure it out, are you willing to pursue the key to restoring loving, I like the word deep, relationship with that person? I pray that you are. Let me pray with you. Excuse me. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you're a perfect example of relationships. Your love is unconditional. You provided all we need to be restored to relationship with you, all the way back to Adam and Eve. 
you sent your son to die for us so we can be forgiven and be in fellowship with you, in relationship with you. But God, we're all in other kinds of human relationships. And we struggle. What should I expose? And when we've exposed and been rejected. And we've got scars and we've got hurt and some of them we're, we're struggling getting over with, getting through them, getting past them. And guys, we just pray. We claim that promise that you'll give us a new heart. You'll give us a new spirit, a new attitude if we just ask. Oh, it may take, take a while to, to work itself out. But God, I pray for each person here. We all struggle in some relationship in our lives. I pray that we would have the courage, the strength to not just be content with so-so relationships, but I want it to be deeper. I want it to be stronger. With your help, God, let that be true. And those of you without Jesus, without that personal relationship with Him, we pray today would be the day that you would bow your knee, acknowledgement that God's the Almighty One, Holy One, that desires you to be in relationship with Him, that loves you, but requires action on our part to accept the gift, to repent, confess our sin, accept the gift. I pray that you would do that. Just now, just say yes to Jesus. Again, we thank you for speaking to us in this service, God. Um, continue to work in our lives, especially in our relationships. Let them be honoring to you. In Jesus' name, amen.